Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. This is a talk from our Stockwell service. To find out about upcoming talks at each of our services, or to listen to other talks, please visit ChristchurchLondon.org. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm really excited to be back um, up here and and, um, sharing this talk with you this morning. So we continue our series on Luke and all all it has to teach us. Um, Before we begin, let's just quickly pray. Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus, and I just thank you. I thank you for using me as a willing vessel to deliver your word as inspired by Holy Spirit. Father, I just pray that you fill us with truth and your wisdom. I pray that your people have an ear to hear and a heart to receive your word this morning. We invite you, Holy Spirit, into this place right now and say, have your way. Lord, speak a word to me and through me so that someone is set free, someone is saved, someone is healed. And for that, Lord, we thank you and glorify you in Jesus' name. And the church said... Amen. And thank you for participating. So for those of you that don't know me, my name is Shaninga and I am married to the lovely Helen. And we have three children. Uh, That's right. Some of you are looking at me like, you have three? I've only seen two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two wonderful daughters, Layla, who's nine, turning 10 uh, next week, and Tammy, who's five, and a jet black cockapoo called Buddy. Yeah, Mm. who much like my gym membership, I don't want to like him, but I'm finding as time goes by, I need to have him around, you know, mainly because I'm heavily outnumbered and on occasion, he'll take my side knowing that it's actually not going to go make much of a difference at all. And then he runs off to his mother and um, it's fine. Um, he's jet black, so there is a lot of kind of black on black violence going on in my house. But we're trying to curb that. We're trying to be friends as the only two black guys in the house. So I'm like, come on, buddy. Um, before, we get, before we get into today's talk, I just want you to watch this short video um, based on our main scripture for today, um, which comes from uh, the gospel according to Luke chapter 6, verse 1 to 11. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, Why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat and he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with a shriveled hand, get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil? to save life 
or to destroy it. He looked around at them all and then said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so and his hand was completely restored. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. Amen. Um, I love a good video. I'm a visual learner, so for me, that just kind of brought the whole word to life, and I was like, wow, okay, this is awesome. So as we continue our series on Luke today, we will be covering Luke chapter 6, verse 1 to 11, and we'll be exploring the significance of the Sabbath in our lives today. In our fast-paced and hectic modern world, finding time for rest and recognizing the sacredness of the Sabbath can be challenging. However, through scripture, we can discover ways to incorporate the Sabbath into our busy lifestyles. So to paint a picture and give you some historical context, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 to 11 in the Old Testament, it shows God commanding his people to observe the Sabbath as a day of rest and worship. The Sabbath signified the covenant between God and his people, symbolizing their rest from labor and their dependence on him. Now we fast forward to our main text in Luke, where we find Jesus and his disciples walking through uh, a grain field on a Sabbath day. The religious leaders of the time accused Jesus' disciples of breaking the law by picking and eating the grain. Jesus responds by pointing out a historical precedent, reminding them of David's actions when he and his companions ate the consecrated bread. So Jesus is here affirming that the Sabbath was made for humanity's benefit, emphasizing compassion and love over strict legalistic observance. So I put to you this morning that the Sabbath originating from creation in Genesis chapter 2, verse 2 to 3, was designed as a day of rest and refreshment, a time to pause, commune with God, and replenish our souls. In this fast-paced world that we live, this remains as crucial today as it was in ancient times. Jesus' response to the religious leaders in Luke chapter 6, verse 5, highlights a profound truth. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. By doing good and healing on the Sabbath, Jesus taught that acts of mercy and love should never be bound by rigid legalism. The Sabbath is an opportunity to embody God's compassion and extend his grace to others. In the second part of our passage, we witness Jesus healing a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath. This is another really important encounter, which teaches us essential lessons about the Sabbath's role in restoration and liberation. The man with the withered hand symbolizes brokenness and limitation. Jesus, in healing him, demonstrates the transformative power of the Sabbath. The Sabbath invites us to bring our brokenness, our woundedness, and our limitations before God. 
trusting in his ability to restore and heal us. It's a day to experience the wholeness and completeness that only God can provide. The Pharisees' reaction to Jesus' healing shows us their legalistic mindset, where they're focused on the strict observance of the Sabbath law. Jesus challenges this narrow understanding, reminding us that the Sabbath is not meant to burden or restrict us, but to liberate and bring us closer to God. It's a day to experience the freedom and joy of living in God's grace. Hence, we're here this morning. You wonderful people. Thank you. Now, now that we've hopefully uh, grasped the significance of the Sabbath, in typical teacher form, and, and um, I used to be a youth pastor, I like to give kind of practical things that will help us take the word and apply it to our lives in, day, in, a, in our day-to-day lives. So we've got a few practical things that have helped us honor the Sabbath, despite the busy lives that most of us are living. My hope is that you take away from these what may work for you. And if not, well, thank you for sitting and listening politely. So like the average family, we both, my wife and I, both work full-time jobs. We've got two wonderful and energetic daughters, as we noticed during praise and worship. And, um, and then we added a dog to the mix. Not by choice, but that's a different sermon. You can look it up. It's, 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 it's online somewhere. Um, we're faced with social pressures to, to, to go to things. We've got extended family pressures and ambitions to do stuff. So finding time to recognize the Sabbath was and continues to be challenging. And, and that's just to say the least. But as we all know, we're all on a journey and a journey of growth and a journey of discovery of who God is and how we can let him more into our lives. So the first thing that helped us begin to honor the Sabbath was prioritizing our time with God. And it sounds really obvious, but it's something that's not easy. It's something that you have to be intentional about and you have to be disciplined about. It's so important for us to take time and make time to evaluate our schedules and commitments, making intentional choices to carve out time for the Sabbath. A great practice is identifying activities that drain us or distract us from God and replacing them with restorative practices. You know, I had lunch with Lars the other day and he put it this way. Remove things that take away your energy and input things that give you energy. And I was like, that's a much better way of putting it. I'm going to steal that for my sermon. Thank you very much, Lars. And it's true, you know, and it sounds like an easy thing to do, but it's, it's really not that easy. But we have to be intentional about it. One example of this is like most families, we used to sign our kids up for Saturday programs and Saturday clubs or commit to going to see family members that we haven't seen for a while. But what we found was that doing all of that stuff was actually draining us of energy and our Saturdays turn into a, another working day. You're waking up at eight, getting the kids dressed, running them to ballet or gymnastics or whatever it is, sitting there doing small talk with people who aren't that interesting because they're not Christian, but, um, but, and trying to convince them that being a Christian is a good thing and you are, it is interesting. And then uh, 
then you pick them up, then you go pick the other one up and drop them off at acting or whatever it is. And then you have to go and visit family members that you haven't seen. Um, and you end up just ending the day just exhausted. And then the idea of waking up and coming to church on a Sunday is like, why do I want to do that, Lord? I love you, but can I just go online? So you try and find workarounds instead of, of, of going and getting his best. So what we decided to do was actually let's block out our Saturdays um, for ourselves and for the family. And what that did was restore our relationships, one with each other as a couple, but also with our children. Because now we're able to spend quality time with the kids and we're not under pressure to take them somewhere and do stuff with them. And we found that was really effective and really impactful for us as a, as a family. And now Sundays are a joy to wake up and come down here and see your beautiful faces. In the busyness of our schedules, setting aside intentional time for God is paramount. It's a good thing to allocate moments throughout the day, whether it be early mornings, evenings, or lunch breaks to spend in prayer, meditation, and studying his word. The Bible says pray always, and that means it's a lifestyle of prayer. Um, and just creating these moments where you're communing with God. Seek his presence and allow him to rejuvenate your soul. A big part of this is embracing rest. True rest goes beyond physical relaxation. It encompasses rejuvenation of our minds, bodies, and souls. We live in a city that is one of the busiest cities in the world. Every time I tell my sister who lives in South Africa our schedule and what we're doing, she just, she can't believe it. She's like, and, and we think we've actually toned down what we're doing. And she's like, you guys are crazy. You do way too much. You guys need to just chill out. And we're like, yeah, we're trying. We're trying. It's so important to take time to rest from the demands of work, technology, and otherworldly distractions, creating space for solitude, prayer, meditation, and reflection. All of this allows God to replenish your spirit and provide you with the strength needed for the week ahead. You know, um, I was talking to Rob earlier that I've recently started to work out with some guys from Sutton. And I'm not going to lie to you, it's not been easy. Nope. It's, um, it's been very, very difficult, um, mainly because they start their workouts at 4.30 a.m. And, um, you know, being woken up by a child at 6 a.m. is one thing, but choosing to wake up at 4.30 to leave the house is a whole different situation. And, um, and <laughs> I'm still not used to it. I'm, not, I'm three months in now, and um, it's not got easy. No, no, it's not getting easier. It's still tough. And I'm, I'll be honest with you, I'm not enjoying it. I'm really not enjoying a single part of it. I hate it. I hate the waking up bit. I hate the motivating myself to get changed. I hate the bit where my friend, he's decided to pick me up to make me accountable I hate that because I have to get ready so that he picks me up. I hate getting to the gym and seeing it's empty and it's just the five of us. Don't like any of that. Um, but, you know, it's, it's been good. And I've learned some things about myself. And I encourage you to try this at least once in your life. Wake up before him. Go to the gym, just do it for three days in a row. You will discover things about yourself you didn't know ever. Um, and you'll spend a lot of time in prayer asking God to forgive you. And that's where I am right now. I am in a, in a place of, 
of, um, of God just replenishing me and bringing me back closer to him. Thank you, Jesus. I learned that I can actually go to bed at 9 p.m. every night, and that's fine. It's not weird. I don't have to, I don't, I don't have to stay up past 9 p.m. And actually, what I found is I have to go to bed at 9 p.m. Otherwise, that 4 a.m. wake up is not happening, um, and I struggle with it. So it's, it's made me really disciplined about going to sleep. But also... I found that my day starts earlier. So the, well, the workout is an hour and a half. I get home by six and I've showered and my day starts at 6.30. And it's not that I'm rolling out of bed at 6.30. It's that my day's actually started. So now I'm committing time, purposeful time, to spending it with God. And I'm meditating and I've got this quality time with him. And what it's done is it's given me clarity of thought and it's helped me make better decisions. It's helped me make quicker decisions. And I found that I'm actually a lot more productive. So when I weigh up the good and the bad and the struggle against, you know, the reward, I'm like, actually, it's worth it. So let me just keep persevering, even though I really don't enjoy it. Um, and the other thing is the guys I train with are like absolute giants. They're like, they're like, they all look like the Hulk. You know, it's very disheartening when I go in there and I'm just like, that's great guys. Now, and they keep, and they keep encouraging me going, no, it takes time. I said, okay, sure. Um, now I'm, I'm not saying, you know, go out and start working out 4.30am. Absolutely not. Don't do it. But you know, if you want to try it, try it. But you know, it, it, it's long. You won't enjoy it. I'm telling you now, it's not an enjoyable experience, but you know. But create space um, to find time to pray, meditate, and reflect, and work out. Um, this has more benefits. This will give you more benefits to your life than not doing it. The second thing that helped us begin to honor the Sabbath was embracing family and community. The Sabbath is not merely an individual pursuit but also an invitation to fellowship. Um, it's an invitation to gather with fellow believers, friends, and loved ones to worship and engage in meaningful conversations. There's a story I heard about a couple who had um, daughters that were going into kind of the, the teenage phase of their lives. And as they were getting older, they kept asking to go to parties and spend more and more time away from the house. And they, being Christians, became acutely aware that they were not really recognizing the Sabbath as much as they did when the girls were little. So they decided to institute uh, Sunday as a feast day. So they told their daughters that they, although they, they couldn't go to parties, they didn't want any of that, um, they said, well, you can invite as many people as you like to the house every weekend. And you can have whatever food you like. And they turned their, their weekends into kind of feast days for the daughters and their friends. And they use this as a time to, to just kind of share their story, allow the kids to just be free and safe and, and enjoy food and enjoy good company and good conversation. And what they found was the older the girls got, they really missed that Sunday feast. So they just continued it. When the girls went off to uni, they'd come back every weekend because they'd know that the Sunday feast was happening and they'd invite all their friends over. And their friends, as they got even older, 
started to miss this and wanted it more, uh, more so than the daughters did because it was, it was so beneficial for them. And, um, and a lot of them actually decided to start going to church as a result of this. So it worked out as an you know, ev- uh, evangelizing tool as much as it was um, a tool to keep their kids close to them. So the, the message is invest time in building relationships, sharing meals, and encouraging one another in faith. Cultivating a sense of community enriches our Sabbath experience. There's something about breaking bread with everyone. We run a leadership program where we work with young people who are at risk of social exclusion. And a lot of the young people that we work with in schools are at the brink of getting kicked out. And I always tell the story that I was working in Lambeth Academy with a group of 12 boys who represented three different gangs. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever done youth work, but that's not a good recipe for anything. Putting in three, 12 boys in one room, three different gangs, and they're all at war each other, with each other. And the school said, there you go, Shininga, fix them. And I said, God bless you. That's when you realize, as a youth worker, you really need to be prayed up and you need to know who you are in Christ. Um, but what we found was we ran the program for 10 weeks and we were seeing marginal changes in in, in the young people and their attitudes. But actually, what happened in week 11, we decided to bring food in and we all shared food and we broke bread together. And that was the first time four of them had ever had a meal with other people around a table. And what that did was it just opened up their eyes to what, what possibilities there could be by just listening and understanding other people's point of view, but over food they wanted. It was KFC, by the way. They, they love chicken. If you want to engage with young people, buy them chicken. It works every time. And, and it, was, it, was, it was a great moment that kind of made me realize the importance of sharing meals and what you can do and how much you can get across when you're sharing meals with, with people. You know, um, I'd also like to encourage you this morning to keep inviting others to this church. I really believe that um, Christchurch Stockwell, Christchurch, this church, is Stockwell's biggest secret and best kept secret. And people need to know, you know, you guys are wonderful people. You're wonderful people that have made us feel so welcome here. And your hearts are so big. And I feel like other people need to see that. They need to experience the love of God through you and what you guys have. So keep coming, keep inviting people, um, and let's, let's get more people seeing the love of God. The third thing that we, uh, we discovered was to engage in acts of kindness. This will help us honor the Sabbath. Just as Jesus demonstrated uh, compassion on the Sabbath, and emphasize that doing good on the Sabbath is not a violation, but an expression of his true purpose. It's important for us to follow his example. And I'm biased. I work in the third sector. I founded a charity. I run a charity. And I'm in the business of kindness. So I'm very, very biased about this. However, I feel there are so many more benefits that you get from helping others. Um than I could express right now. And my encouragement is beyond what we could do as a church, in your own personal communities, go and help out. I encourage you to do as much as you can. Can I just ask the band to just 
come back up, please. It's important for us as followers of Christ to look for opportunities to serve others. Extend a helping hand and show love and mercy. Knock on a neighbor's door. Did you know that 45% of adults in England feel occasionally, sometimes, and often lonely? That number is increased, increases when you look at anyone over 60. And a lot of the time, it's just that no one has knocked on their door. No one has asked after them. Um, and you'll find that if you just um, show the love of Christ by just asking a question, how are you this morning? Would you like to come with, would you like to go for a walk? People's view and life view and worldview changes. We were recently at a dinner um, where Sir Ken Olisa spoke on social mobility and how a simple act of kindness or a kind word can drastically change the trajectory that one may find themselves on. Engaging in acts of kindness aligns us with God's heart and transforms the Sabbath into a day of both rest and service. In Luke chapter 6, verse 1 to 11, we discover the eternal significance of the Sabbath. It's a day to rest in God's provision, experience his restoration, and find liberation from legalistic burdens. As we navigate our busy lives, let us recognize the importance of the Sabbath by prioritizing intimacy with God, embracing rest, embracing renewal and engaging in acts of compassion could I ask you just to stand to your feet as we pray father we thank you for today we thank you for this word we thank you for the sabbath a day to spend in peace but not alone lord give us your peace that surpasses understanding grant us peace to seek you Grant us peace with our family and our friends. Lord, help us to build relationships as Jesus showed us. Help us to worship you in a worthy way. Help us to keep you in view, to meditate on your word, to hear your voice. Lead us through the week ahead, assured that you are with us. And to know that with you, each day is special. In Jesus' name, amen.